Less Than 2000. The podcast. You hit play to record. There was a there was a thing, a player that used to be like that back in the day, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, cassette players. I mean, they were all like that. The dual the dual deck uh, record. You had to you had to hit the record button and play at the same time, both buttons in to get it to record. Do you ever try to figure that out for the first time? Yeah, I, I always wondered why. I'm trying to record. I'm not trying to hit play. So why do I have to hit play too? But the the record button would not go in unless you had. Both of them at and, the same time. And every single tape deck was like that. So that's what our mixing board is Yeah, like. and that's literally what this mixing board It's so stupid. You hit record to turn it on, and then you hit play to record. Somehow this seems completely backwards. You have right? no idea how long that took us to figure out. It took us a while. Welcome, everyone, to the uh, Less Than 2000s podcast. Thanks for joining us. This is the podcast for all things 80s and 90s, everything before the world went to hell around the year 2000. And we're just giving you a, a summary of what life was like back then and giving you a little context. So here's, here's, here's where I want to jump off at. Right after the last episode, you called me and, and there was this sadness in your voice. And I was wondering what was going on. And you go, were we too hard on Bill Murray? I still worry about that. Were we too hard on Bill Murray? Specifically, were, were, were we making too much fun of his looks? I mean, I, I don't really mind. And I stand by what I said. Everything he's done since the year 2000 sucks, except for Life Aquatic. But, um, but yeah, you know, making fun of his appearance and everything, that's kind of low-hanging fruit. Yeah, it was low-hanging fruit. But, I mean, the thing is, like, I'm a huge fan. Huge fans. We're, we're huge fans. We're both huge fans. Well, let me ask you real quick. Do you think I'm an Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, oh, I was like... Uh, you've known me my whole life. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think I'm a little rough around the edges. I've known, you, I've known you since I was nine years old. So part of it is I, I had an annual performance review today at work, and oh man, that was interesting. They were like, your work is great, your knowledge of the law is exceptional, you're, you're a great attorney, everyone thinks you're an a- I mean, I would add alienating and, and, and a few other adjectives, but no, I mean, you're a great guy. MC Hammer and LL Cool J going hard. I think you're going to be calling me again after this episode. Were we too hard on them? Believe it or not, uh, there was a phase in both of these people's career that uh, they they went hard. They went gangsta rap. Uh, you know, MC Hammer in, in, in 94 and LL Cool J in 93, they both put out their gangsta rap albums. And it's really, really jarring when compared to the rest of their work. So we're going to do a deep dive on MC Hammer and LL Cool J today and find out what the hell happened. Where did those albums come from? How do they hold up? And what were they like in the context of their career and the context of the time? I have an idea. For today, why don't we start by you giving something positive about, say, MC Hammer? Well, for, first of all, MC Hammer's had a hell of a career. I mean, you, you would not believe, it, it cannot be understated how big MC Hammer was in the early 90s. Specifically 1990 with You Can't Touch This and the album Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him. For that album, as of 2001, sold 18 million copies. So you got to imagine in the last 20 years, it maybe sold another 2 million. Who knows? There's developing worlds. There's people buying it again or whatever. Probably 20 million on one CD, one cassette tape, one CD. Uh, it, it can't be understated how successful he was. And I got to give the guy credit. He's reinvented himself 
year after year and, and still making music. Well, year after year until he went bankrupt, which was shortly after that. He lost like $200 million like by the time 95 hit or yes, something like he, that. He, I mean, he, he didn't keep it going. He didn't keep it going. He got a little bit too big for his own good and it got out of a hand. A little? Do you know how many people <laughs> that... You have to work really hard to lose $200 million. Well, did you ever see him live? Because that was a lot, uh, had a lot to do with it. That big, uh, his big posse, as he called it, uh, entourage is what other people would call it. All of the hangers on that he took care of, put on tour this huge, elaborate set. And in fact, uh, is doing research for this, he actually had to cancel a tour halfway through it because it was costing too much money at the height of his career. So imagine... Where was his business manager during all this? Oh, I mean, man. like, the show is... MC, you're spending more money every single show than you're bringing in. And how does it go halfway through a tour without somebody putting a stop to this? And I can't believe somebody didn't say to him, like, look, man, this this gravy train is not going to last forever. You have a very limited time that you can get away with this and be successful and how successful he was it can't be understated i mean 20 million records just one but he you know he, he just thought the good times would roll he thought every single cd was going to be that popular and clearly it wasn't well i think a lot of artists kind of suffer from that you, you get so big so quick you think it'll never fall it'll it'll never drop you know, MC Hammer was a trendsetter to begin with. When he was when he was coming out, he, there was nothing else like it. It was what I call hip pop. Like it was not hip hop, not rap. It was hip pop, and he was uh, he was his own animal. The fashion, the the stage show, the unique sound. Really, no one was doing anything like that. Well, actually, not really true because LL Cool J signed to Def Jam many year, multiple years before MC Hammer, right? Absolutely, and and. He's actually credited. His early albums are, are are a blend of rap and pop. So actually, LL's really the trendsetter, and MC Hammer kind of just jumped on the bandwagon and thought, I'm going to wear an obscenely large pair of baggy pants, and now I'm hip-hop. That was the well. difference. LL Cool J did not have the pants. He did not have that sweet hairstyle. He did not have those sweet glasses. He did not have a stage show. Uh, that's because he knew how to rap you can't touch this it was so well produced I mean it is just well yeah it's his only good song oh he's had some others I mean too legit to quit okay fine I'll give you that one even though it it, it became I mean that's one of those songs that it came on and I liked the first 12 seconds and then I went I gotta turn this off I can't I can't you know that song you heard so many times you can't listen to it again yeah too legit to quit is one of those songs but I mean that's how we pray I mean he he would he, he would swing to all of these different worlds. He had like two years that he was even moderately relevant, and then everything around that is kind of garbage. Pray was a great song. I really I really really liked that as a kid. I listened to it again the other day, and it, it's it's got a it's got a great beat. It's got a, a really good sample. It was meaningful to me. We went to see uh, Kicking It Old School 2. It, you know, had Tone Loc and, and uh, salt and Pepper and um, Rex and Effect. But MC Hammer was the headliner. And I got to tell you, I was you were outside 
most of the time. I went back in the tent for Prey, and I was just getting it on, and, and I, I was moved. I mean, that, move, that song still moves me, believe it or not. You know, we're, we're, we're going to get to his, his harder work. He had, he had a couple songs. Uh, Crime Stories. Uh, was one of his songs, and, and it no, had... no, 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 no. Let me just, let me just, I'm gonna, just, let me just stop you right now. He had one album where he went hard, and it was what, uh, 94? 93. 93. Yeah. What was the album again? Uh, that was, uh, that was, um, it was called uh, Hunt Headhunter, Funky Headhunter. That's right. That was the only album where he went hard. Okay. Right. He changed his appearance. He, he, he tried to transform into this whole other persona and try to get street in his album. And that there was no business, there was no business doing that. But what I'm here to tell you is as far back as 1990 and please hammer don't hurt him, crime stories. He's got a song where he's using words like gat and nine and- uh, And he sounded probably like you just did. <laughs> Well, you but know, you don't belong best. having a gat or nine from what you just said. In, in fairness, he doesn't have as much street cred as LL Cool J. I will tell you that. He's but got no street cred. He, he grew up in the projects of Oakland. So he, he grew up in the projects of Oakland. So there's some street cred there. More than we have in our Catholic school. Uh, you know, we can't really go. Okay. Ar arguably, yes. <laughs> he had w way more street cred. He, he was but... a bat boy for the Oakland A's for like six years. Okay, but all I'm saying is when you have Easy E and 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 Public Enemy and all of these amazing artists coming out, nobody's going to put MC Hammer in that list. Nobody's going to go, "Well, you know, he did grow up in some mean streets." Well, what about what about the song Soft and Wet? Was that supposed to be gangster? Well, I mean, it was sort of sexual. I I definitely as a 9-year-old wondered what wet meant. No, as a 9-year-old, you wondered what wet was cuz you knew there had to be something behind it. You knew already by 9 what a gun was. So, you were confused by the lyrics because you knew it had to mean something. You know, my next, moving on from that album, my next, like, significant memory of MC Hammer was watching him on the VMA Awards in 1990, uh, 1991, the, the Video Music Awards, and, you know, for MTV was a thing back in the day. I remember watching it with my dad, and it was, his, his voice was so rough and so bad, and I was like, why doesn't it sound like the cassette? I'm like, Dad, why does MC Hammer sound like that? And I remember my dad saying, it's live. And and that's when I was like, I, I, I realized that- I missed like, the album. <laughs> yeah, that there was a difference between a, a studio recording and live. But yeah, that was definitely my first experience, like realizing what live music was all about. You know, then we move on to um, his next one. You know, oh my God, this is way, night, too legit to quit. The 1991 album. This is when he started going by Hammer. He dropped the MC and he was just known as Hammer. Uh, the you know, the, the, but but this album is all over the place. And then what does he follow that up with? Adam's Family Groove. Yeah. Now, if you I watched the Adam's Family Groove video the other day, it was so dark. It was a kids show. Yeah, it wasn't violent. It was just sort of like meh. It was pretty dark for a ten year old. It's suddenly MC Hammer's you know thing with the hand. Yeah. Um, you know, just walking around. It was like MC Hammer's floating decapitated head in the guillotine. I think we have different versions of dark. Well, you know, I... I'm, like, that that was, like, fun. I was like, oh, look, it's like the Adams Family. It's just his head. Too legit to quit three million albums. So think of that. How many people would kill to have a three, a triple platinum album? But after 18 million? 
I don't it's know. A, it's a huge drop. It's a huge drop. And so obviously he started freaking out. Which is why he, one, went broke because he wasn't that talented to begin with. He had like two good songs. About and that? I don't count Prey. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll give you the Adams Family groove before I'll give you Prey. What about Turn This Mother Out? No. You know, did he have any games? I'm surprised he did. I mean, everything was a game in the 80s. Everything was a Nintendo game. Well, the thing is, he wasn't around long enough to get all that stuff because <laughs> oh, he had like one hit. But How many times do we got to? I got to keep saying he didn't have enough hits. One hit that he got twenty five million on, and in fact, he references that in Funky Head Hunter, the the nineteen ninety four yeah four album. Funky Head Hunter went away for a while, completely tanked, and then he comes back with this new vibe. As Chad mentioned, he's got. A whole new look. Gone are the puffy pants. Gone is the wild hairstyle. He is ripping off Easy E. He's wearing the hat. He's wearing the stocking hat and lokes, and and you know sh- no shirt. And he's just like so uh, just want to be hard. And uh, it's it, it was kind of sad to see him be a follower instead of a trendsetter the way he was in the late 80s early 90s to be now trying to be cool between you know 91 and 94 lots of things happened dr dre's the chronic came out and that changed everything i mean that was 92 and then you know doggy style snoop dogg's first one came out in 93 and that took over the world that west coast sound that very specific type of beat and all of that good stuff and everything that MC Hammer ever did looked really passe and lame by comparison. Rightfully so. You do realize it was lame to begin with. They they were already doing parodies on MC Hammer by like 92. Was it lame though? Or did the times change? And, and No, the just... times did not change. It was a joke to begin with. Again, no cred. 18 million. Yes. Wonderful sales through suburbia. <laughs> it's really weird to hear him hard like try want to be hard but he's still using uh his old school lingo like word like word and proper like that's he's he's using a lower tone of voice he calls himself the mac og and and he wonders why he tanked like what and here's the thing you know you know what og is everybody a lot of people i think use og but don't really know what it means that comes back from from ice t's original gangsta and, and that's what OG stands for, original gangster. I will say this, MC Hammer is not OG anything. He had some influence, but... He had some influence. You're never going to... You, you are never... There is not a single world where you're going to convince me that MC Hammer was a trendsetter. It's never going to happen. He had one hit. I, I think... You can't touch this. To put a bow on it, he was a victim of his own success. I really think he was a victim of his own success. He got so big, he burned so bright for a very short amount of time that there's just no way you could possibly follow that up. And he tried and, you know, he he tried with the next album. He sold three million and then he came out with this piece of crap. The big song from that is It's All Good, which I actually, I'm not going to say it holds up. Okay, it wasn't, it wasn't, that one wasn't terrible. There was one somewhat respectable track on it hey it's all good it, it had a really good beat and i nope the more you're talking the more i just can't get behind it no i actually liked it for a split second <laughs> and then you I- kept talking <laughs> and and you've now just talked me back out of it i was right to begin with I, i'm not listen i'm not gonna say like amazing feat that he did i mean 
18 million records in one album. Like at the height of his career, incredible. Everything you said for a minute, and it's very hard to ever get that in your life. So I would never diminish somebody's somebody's value but he clearly had the wrong team around him he clearly had the wrong people in his ear because it's hard to have one good success one big thing but with help and with hard work and with a good team and with all that stuff and with talent you can keep it going his team screwed him because he lost everything let me ask why does why does bill murray get a pass for the last 20 years, but MC Hammer doesn't get a pass. I still like Bill Murray's work. You are the one who doesn't like his work. <laughs> I do. I think his work, I think Bill Murray's movies, he's he's aging gracefully in his performances. MC Hammer did nothing to reinvent himself. He tried. He tried. <laughs> yes, he tried and crashed and burned because MC Hammer never deserved to go hard. <laughs> I, and I, that's it. I, I, end. Like you're right. We're gonna move on to LL Cool J. I, I will. We gotta. We gotta probably move this to like next week's episode or something. All right. Well, we we covered MC Hammer today. I mean, we literally were able to deep dive into somehow this amount of time on MC Hammer when really, in my, you know, he had one one hit. He he put on a great performance in 2016. He got back to his roots. You can tell he's comfortable with who he is now. And yeah. I appreciate that. I wasn't trying to do anything that he's not. He played yeah. his old stuff. He he seemed right at home. He 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 didn't bust out the the pants from the 80s or anything. He wore a do rag and all he that. He did he did wear a do rag. But but it was it was it was it was a good performance and I I I admire him for still trying. I definitely do. Yeah.